One of the most tired and common arguments that we hear from people that support magazine capacity restrictions is that you don't need X amount of rounds to defend yourself, and if you do, then you need to spend more time at the range because you're a terrible shot. While that argument ignores a lot of variables that go into armed self-defense, it should also remind us of the importance of making that full capacity magazine work for us. So last week's episode ran a good bit longer than the advertised 15 minutes, and so this week I want to kind of balance the scales by giving you a really short rundown of a simple topic. This time around, that topic is mag dumps. Now, when I'm talking about a mag dump, I'm not talking about hammering the trigger as fast as you can until you run dry. Uh, That's dumb. I mean, it's fun, but it's kind of dumb. When shooting in any practical sense, a certain degree of accuracy is always still going to be needed. And in the case of mag dumps, you know, your shots should still be landing on a silhouette-sized target, even if it's only three yards from where you're firing. We're going to talk about how mag dumps are relevant to our purposes as a shooter, and then go into how to kind of practice them effectively. So, to help illustrate the reality of defensive shooting and how mag dumps will fit into that, I'm going to cite various police department studies that have been made over the years. The sources are going to vary on the numbers I'm putting out, but the results rarely conflict with each other for the purposes of what we're talking about. So across the U.S., there are about 300 to 400 police shooting incidents per year. That number has been going down since the mid-90s or so, but we still have a fair amount of data to work with. So when looking at that data, we're looking at a few different commonalities in those engagements. And the first common trend that comes up is the engagement distance. More than half of all reported police shootings happen with the target zero to five yards from the officers involved. And most reports don't show any engagements beyond 25 yards in any given year. We also saw a trend of the hit rate when the engagement distance changes. So out of all rounds fired across those different police shootings, uh, 38% hit the target if the target was zero to two yards from the officers firing. That hit rate dropped down to 17% from 3 to 7 yards, then 8% from 8 to 25 yards away, and then in the few cases where there were engagements uh, of targets more than 25 yards away, the hit rate was less than 3% in those cases. Now, remember that most department qualifications require practical marksmanship at 25 yards, which kind of throws a wrench in the concept that your accuracy at the range translates very broadly to accuracy in a stressful shooting scenario. We're teaching mechanics and muscle memory at the range, not necessarily pinpoint accuracy that we're going to see somewhere else. Uh, A defensive shooting situation of any kind is not typically the situation in which we see judicial marksmanship come out. It doesn't really help that a significant portion of these reported shooting incidents are in low or suboptimal lighting conditions. Another common trend that we saw in these reports is the number of rounds fired per engagement. While about 25% of engagements only involved one shot being fired by an officer, about 50% of them involved up to five rounds fired, and about 10% of engagements involved an officer shooting their firearm until it's empty. Most studies don't observe a dramatic change in hit rate when the number of rounds fired increases, which implies that the number of rounds fired was simply linked to the number of hits needed to stop the threat, which is the goal both in police shootings and in personal defense situations, is to stop the threat. Now, these figures are for police shootings, uh, not home or personal defense shootings where data is much less broadly available. So I'm guessing at this point, but my guess is that a home defense shooting has way more unknown variables than a typical police shootout. 
In a home defense shooting, we're almost certainly going to be engaging in tight spaces and suboptimal lighting conditions. Those are pretty much a given. But we don't know exactly what distance we'll be engaging or even how many threats we'd have to engage. You know, we just don't have statistics to suggest what's likely to occur there. And so there's really no way to plan or train for such a wide range of unknown variables. So we sort of have to default for the worst case scenario. And that, to me, is being forced to fire until the gun is empty. So that sort of suggests how mag dumps are relevant in your training. Now, in terms of applying that in your training, uh, if you're still working on the fundamentals of marksmanship, get that done first. Because there's no need to bother with fast shooting until your grip, your cheek weld for long guns, uh, trigger control, all that good stuff is second nature and consistent every time you shoot. Because it doesn't matter how, how fast you're shooting if you're not going to hit anything. Now, if you're training for the possibility of using a firearm in a defensive encounter, then I feel a mag dump level of firing rate is very relevant to what you're training for. Since a defensive encounter is unlikely to happen, but your odds of firing a lot of rounds in that is somewhat likely. So while this may seem counter to the topic of this week's episode, I don't actually want you to train for mag dumps by doing mag dumps on the range. You know, when we're training and we're applying things like drills and exercises, we're not trying to simulate how these skills are going to be applied in the real world because that's pretty much impossible to do in a flat-footed one-way range. What we should be doing instead is isolating the fundamentals that we're focusing on and building drills and exercises that train those fundamentals. So instead of doing mag dump after mag dump, I recommend running a drill. And in this case, I'm, I recommend running the VTAC 1-5 to drill. It was uh, designed by Kyle Lamb over at Viking Tactics. It involves engaging three targets spread apart five yards from your firing line. And as a total of 15 shots in about three to five seconds, if you're using an AR patterned rifle, which is what the drill is designed for. Uh, in that case, five seconds is the expected par for beginners, while getting closer to three seconds means that you're getting more efficient at the mechanics behind the drill. Again, it's designed with an AR-patterned rifle or carbine in mind, but I think it works equally well for other platforms, including even handguns, with at least 15 rounds in the magazine, because the drill isn't well-suited for reloads. So here's the drill. At the buzzer, fire one round on the left target, two rounds on the center target, and three rounds on the right target. Then, four rounds back on the center target, and finish with five rounds on the left target where you started. The VTAC 1-5 drill is going to test your trigger control, muzzle control, target transition, and recoil management in general. When shooting at this speed, you'll likely not maintain a perfect sight picture and will need to default to following the front sight only. That's a very common thing in defensive or fast shooting drills, but at five yards, we're past point shooting range, so a sight picture is still important. And as you practice the drill, your sight acquisition will naturally get faster and more consistent. As with any fundamentals drill, the priority should not just be to get lower and lower times, but to identify the fundamental skills that you're applying and which skills you need to improve on the most. Those diagnostics are very important for evolving as a shooter. If at the end of the day you feel that your trigger control was causing you to miss shots or take too long between shots, then plan on spending some time really focusing on your trigger control. Uh, the same goes for if you were pulling shots due to poor grip or muzzle hold, or if you were taking too long switching targets or regaining a positive sight picture in between shots. This evaluation and diagnostics is what sets apart good shooters from great shooters. 
It's their ability to recognize where they need to improve and then act on improving that. I'm going to leave you with that for this week. Uh, Thanks a ton for tuning in. If you have a second at any point between now and next week, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave Range Talk a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're trying out the VTAC 1 to 5, be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Range Talk Show and let me know how it's going for you. If not, stay safe. We'll talk again soon.